Hey guys, Selena Kulkarni here with another episode of the Freedom Warrior podcast. My goal is to help business owners catapult their income from property through unconventional strategies so that they're actually free to pursue their real passions and purpose. Each week I share with you the strategies, expert interviews and real people's stories around the topic of wealth and financial freedom. Look, in today's episode, what I actually want to do is talk about the silent business trap. Um, why so many people go into business as a way to really take the reins of their financial freedom, but actually fail to do so. You know, perhaps you felt you went into business because you wanted to be your own boss. Maybe you wanted to take the lid off your earnings. Um, And maybe you've actually achieved both of those things, but it's come at a price. Um, Maybe you feel tied to your business. Um, perhaps you're concerned you can't get off the gravy train anytime soon. Maybe the economic turbulence and uncertainty of the current market is really bothering you. So what I actually want to do today is I want to unpack for you the two main pathways that I see business owners taking and why so few of them actually truly get past um, and get into a position where they could, you know, I use the word retire, but really, you know, follow their passions while they're still young enough to enjoy their wealth. Now, what I've actually done today uh, is I don't so much has have notes, but I've got a little doodle here, which is really my guide for today's episode. So I really want to kind of try and unpack that for you, given that you can't actually see my drawings. So look, when you start in business, you start with this little thing that you create. And there's two pathways that I feel that people take. First of all, they kind of go, let me let me grow the business. Like, how do I grow that business? Um, so, you know, they, they set out, they start making money and predominantly they take out a little bit of money for them to, you know, fund their lifestyle, but people will reinvest and grow the business. And, you know, there's no question, I've talked about this before, that the highest ROI often comes from inside of your business. So, of course, it's natural to want to keep reinvesting inside your business. Um, the hope with this particular pathway is that one day down the track, I'll either have a cash cow, um, you know, this business that runs without me. And I can tell you now there's so few people that succeed on that particular aspiration. Or alternatively, at the point in time where I feel like, okay, I've amassed enough, I've, I've squeezed enough juice out of this business, they're hoping to sell that business for a big fat payday um, and sell it for lots of money. Um, now, that is certainly a valid pathway and there are, um, I think, a small percentage of business owners that, that succeed. What I want to talk about is the second pathway, which in my opinion is not only more prudent, um, it certainly gives you a greater sense of stability and insurance, um, but also it, it just, you know, there's there's not uh, a huge cost of taking this other pathway. So I, in, in some ways, I, I don't see why you wouldn't consider it. So the second pathway is same thing. You start your business and you want to grow your business. So you take a little bit of money out to fuel your lifestyle as before and you reinvest a little bit of money into your business to, to grow it because ultimately you have to do that. You have to either invest time or resources to, to scale your business. But in the meantime, on this second pathway, what we're also doing simultaneously is we're focused on our plan B. Now, our plan B at a minimum should be how do we set up an asset base for ourselves 
that at least gives us, say, for example, a couple of hundred thousand in passive income, meaning income that doesn't come from our personal exertion. Now, we might set aside those funds and start to build assets. And and typically in Australia, most business owners lean into property because of our capacity to leverage. We can scale that asset base much more quickly than we can by just purely uh, putting our money into the share market as the the easy contrast. Um, You know, there's another podcast I think in, in here somewhere about, you know, shares versus uh, property, but let me just say point blank, I've seen people make far more money in property than I have in in terms of contrast to percentage of people who you know do well in shares. And I'll leave it at that. Um, but let's say I'm I'm fully property girl. Um, but what happens is you know you grow this asset base outside of business over time, and you suddenly realise well actually there's quite a significant capital base over there. But the frustration that I hear time and time again is that you've got this huge asset base and the cash flow is terrible. Um, so typically here in Australia, um, and I talk about this all the time, the the median around cash flow, which is unencumbered, meaning without any debt, is somewhere around a net return of 1% to 3%. And just to really uh, be clear, it's really important that you focus on the net returns of your portfolio rather than the gross, which is what people commonly talk about in property, Um, you know, 4% gross or 5% gross or 3% gross, which is a fairly pointless number because you actually want to, as in business, understand what your net profit is. So your net profit in your property portfolio is terrible. So it's not a particularly inspiring thing for a business owner to want to continue to, you know, infinitely pump money into that um, you know, beyond the idea that they're growing their their asset base, it's kind of like, what are, what else am I going to do? So, the unfortunate kind of paradox of that whole situation is you've you've done the right things, you you've recognised the importance of building a plan B, but then you just end up in a situation where you've got to continue to grow that asset base over a long period of time until you finally get to the point where the income stream from that is going to give you the income stream that you want to, to live, you know, with or without your business. So, you know, if if I were to refer back to my little diagram here, um, you know, if we're looking at the asset base that we have today and the shortfall between the income that we need to live and the income that's coming from our assets, there's a negative gap there. And really, if we if we kind of had the skills to project that out into the future, the majority of business owners that I talk to, regardless of their net worth, are still looking at a minimum of 15 to 25 years down the track of needing to continue to build or pump up that asset base. Even if they stopped investing today, they would have to continue to ratchet up and wait for that, you know, that rising market to carry their property values up. Now, There's nothing wrong with that strategy. It's a perfectly valid strategy. What I'm suggesting to you is that if you're a business owner who values speed, one of the things that you have to do is you have to try and understand how do you increase the cash flow on the portfolio that you have? How do you take the smallest viable piece of your portfolio and put it into 
other investments that deliver much better cash flow. Now, for me, that's what I call the alternate property investing space. It's not about harebrained, high-risk strategies. It's about safe investments, in my opinion, that deliver epic cash flow of similar um, you know, returns like 8 to 15% and that you know, by, by putting a small percentage of your assets into that, really just blow your cash flow returns out of the water. Um, this is such a, a valuable concept to grasp. Whether you agree with the asset base or the investment strategies that I do or whether you want to pursue other strategies, the concept is the same. Unless you want to wait that 15 to 25 years, if the if your idea is, look, I've worked hard enough and I want a, an exit ramp sooner rather than later and I don't particularly want to rely on someone coming along and buying my business for the paycheck that I'm hoping for, you know, this idea of having a couple of hundred thousand dollars coming in, um, regardless of whether you sell your business, regardless of what happens economically, I can't even tell you the mental freedom and anguish and anxiety that that will clear for you, particularly if you're running a business where, you know, there's some complexity or exposure to economic turbulence. Just knowing that you could get by is is a complete game changer. So, um, you know, obviously to uh, think about, you know, structuring your wealth in a way that you could put a part of it into something like alternative property strategies or other investments that might tickle your fancy. There's three things that you need to be sure of. Number one, you need to be sure that um, you have the knowledge to understand what it is you're investing in. So number one rule of investing has always been never invest in something you don't understand. So, you know, if you're going to throw your money into the Bitcoins and other asset classes that might, you know, inspire you, then do it provided you understand it. Now, I don't understand that marketplace all that well, so that's not an area that I put my money in. Um, you know, for me, it would be like a punt or a gamble. Um, the second thing that you need to make sure of is that you you have access to the sorts of things that you want. So, um, you know, I'll give you a good example here of uh, someone who um, that I know quite well who's really actually very excited about the idea of doing developments they, they have neither the skill set, they have a loose understanding of it, but they want to partner with people who maybe do have understanding and get a piece of the action. And I, I completely understand that, um, but the access piece is the, the main barrier. Um, you know, how do you find people who are skilled in that particular, you know, sector of strategy being developments or small-scale developments, large-scale developments, and, you know, give you... Or, or build enough trust with them that they will give you a piece of the action. Because most of the developers I know, they're happy to take other people's money, use other people's borrowing capacity, all of that stuff. But it's, you know, the the distribution of, of wins is often less than equitable. So, you know, you've got to take all those things into consideration. But the third piece is is really community. You know, for me personally, the idea of walking alongside someone and seeing how they did a deal or why they did a deal, you know, what mistakes did they make? That's a really important piece of the puzzle. So those are the three things I think you've got to address if you are looking to take that piece of your portfolio and put it elsewhere. But 
I guess, you know, if I was going to summarise what I think are, you know, the, the key takeaways from this idea of the silent business trap, and, and the reason I kind of, you know, use that language is I think, you know, we get into business with all of the best of intentions. And then I think my, I guess, my, my witnessing of working, having worked with people um, both as an accountant and as a, an investment advisor over many years now is that, you know, it doesn't matter how wildly successful your business is. You always need a solid plan B. Um, and those that fail to do that don't recognize that they end up trapped in their business. Um, even if you think you can sell your business for a big payday one day, I still think there's virtue in the insurance of having, as I said, at least a couple of hundred thousand coming in net after expenses from your investments that you can always fall back on. So that's that's key takeaway number one. The second takeaway is, you know, for me, it, it, it doesn't matter how high your business income is. If you don't have any capacity to convert that into capital assets that actually deliver you income, then ultimately what will happen is, number one, you will start eating the cow at some point, meaning you will have to start selling off assets. Um, and then the second part of that is you will be tied to your business until you hit the, you know, the net worth that you need to get that paltry 1% to 3% that most investments offer. So here's, here's what I want to leave you with. You need to be able to work out the point in time where you say, I have enough capital. Now it's time for me to double down on my plan B. Um, it's time to start focusing on building cash flow outside of my business because my higher net worth isn't going to speed things up for me. So guys, I, I hope this has been useful for you. You know, it, for me, this is such a passionate topic. I really feel that, you know, this sort of wisdom is lost on most people. So I want to thank you for making the time to share this with me today. If you know someone in business, whether it's a friend, a family or, you know, a colleague who you think is stuck in this business of the, the silent business trap and is looking for, you know, an exit ramp over the next year, two years, five years, then please be sure to share this podcast with them and see if you can really just open their mind to a different view or a different lens on how to go about creating the life they want and giving themselves the freedom to pursue passions that maybe live outside of their business. Till next time, take care.